Today's program has been brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit GreatBrewers.com. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org, a nonprofit member-supported radio station. We're millions strong, with folks tuning in from over 200 countries. We are education. We are entertainment. We are the future of food. May is our membership drive. Become a member and support us while receiving e-newsletters, advanced invites, special discounts, and a membership card. We need your support. Visit our website and click the donate button to become a member today. Thank you for believing in us and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 24 of Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your co-host for the journey of all things fermentable. Um, so, what's going on, Chris? Hey, what's going on? Uh, this weekend was pretty freaking awesome. I want to do a giant thank you and shout out to Be United Importers, who held a trade show um, up at their facilities in Connecticut. Um, and they had a bunch of their their brewers in town and a bunch of great sampling. And it was a really great time to get to know these people yeah and it was i mean fantastic be united is doing amazing things um they have a wonderful facility they are bringing beer over in tanks kegging them on site so they are promising delivering the freshest beer that they possibly can um some very unusual and delicious beers um they also have a program called zymator where they're taking some of that beer and and barrel aging it in a variety of barrels and um, absolutely delicious uh, return. They're also just built a greenhouse, planted a vineyard, as well as a garden, so that they can um, infuse some of these with with their, you know, house grown botanicals. So anyway, uh, Matthias Niehart, Niehart is the owner and and head of Be United. His son Ben is um, heading the lab, and um, he does all does the, the barrel aging yep. and all kinds of stuff. So it's absolutely an amazing facility. They're going to put a brewery in. Um, but anyway, they're doing amazing things. It's, it's very, very inspirational to, to all of us as brewers and also craft beer consumers. And a lot of the breweries that they deal with are relatively small. So if you see anything with the, with the name or with the Be United stamp, get it. Yep. Delicious. It's probably going to be really delicious. So we were lucky enough. We got a couple interviews. Um, we're going to play one for you now. So tonight we're talking about creative brewing. So using unusual ingredients, inspiration, of course, bacteria and yeast mixes. And we're going to start it with an interview that we that we recorded yesterday with the couple behind Lover Beer. So it's uh, Walter Louvirier and his wonderful wife, Elena. Walter Louvirier. So let's go. We are located in the northwest near Turin. That's uh, closer to the French border. We are in Marentino. It's a very short, uh, very small town, uh, 20 kilometers from Tunis. And how, what type of um, brewing system do you have? Like how, how big is your brewing system? And ah, okay, our um, um, brew house is uh, for 10 hectoliters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, small for uh, American uh, uh, reality, but, but for Italy it's, uh, it's a medium. In Italy, maximum is uh, three, um, 30 hectoliters, and typically sometimes it's uh, two, uh, 
two hectoliters. Right, it's very small. <laughs> very small, very yeah. small. Uh, but uh, we, are, we produce very special uh, beer, and we have um, uh, the, 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 the problem for us is the, 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 the cellar, the, the, the number of ferment, fermenter, ah. because we have a very long time of fermentation. And 10 hectoliters is very, is very good for us. Uh, it's, it's okay, it's enough. Right, okay. okay. So you guys brought six beers with you today. We tasted all of them earlier, and we're especially interested in, you have two beers that you brew with grapes. So what is the first one? The first one is a Birbera. It was uh, the first beer that we produced when we was born uh, as brewery at the end of 2009. And it's quite particular because it's uh, spontaneous fermentation. Our basic philosophy is uh, to try to join our culture, that uh, winemaker culture, to the culture of beer, especially from the north of Europe and especially from Belgium. So the inspiration for this beer is uh, to Lambic, but we are in Italy, we are in Piedmont, and so we start the spontaneous fermentation using the wall grapes. The grapes is Barbera grapes, and the fermentation starts from the yeast that's present on the skin of the grapes. Okay. Now, how do you you brew the beer, and then you add the grapes once, and then? No, we started like to 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 make a natural wine. Mm-hmm. We pressed and steamed the the, the grapes. And uh, after it started the fermentation, we adding uh, the um, the wort of beer ah, okay. and ferment it all together. Okay. Okay. This is a, is a very different to um, a spontaneous fermentation from the the Piotland from the Lambic area, yeah. but it's, I think it's a very original process for have a spontaneous beer. From spontaneous fermentation, and you didn't add any beer yeast. All, all no. wine, wine in the, all, all the yeast from the grapes. All, in the whole uh, process, we don't uh, add in. Also, in a refermentation, is uh, uh, the, the the yeast is uh, the, the original on the skin, uh, survived uh, during the fermentation. That's fantastic. And how long of a process Delicious. does that take to ferment? Um, typically, um, we have uh, four months at. Uh, at the end um, of the years, uh, the first day of the, the next year, we are because we 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 can uh, produce this beer only at the vintage time in October when the Barbera grapes is uh, ready uh, for uh, for uh, is mature, matured at the harvest, and um, after four months is uh, ready to bottling and, ca- uh, and kegging. But uh, we wait in other four months before to start to sell in bottle. Uh, and the, the, this kind of beer have a, is very uh, have a very long life because the, the sour, the acidity, is uh, good for uh, for aging. And we have tried the 2011, 2010, 2009, and when we go to the past is better than the, <laughs> the, 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 the younger, okay? Yeah. Now, what you have a second beer that you also brew yeah. with grapes. So yeah, what? but it's completely different. The process is uh, the opposite. The name of this beer is uh, Duva beer. Uh, Duva in Italian means uh, with grapes, but uh, it's not a spontaneous fermentation. So we inoculate the yeast of the beer, and then we we add uh, the grapes must. And we use a different kind of grapes. That's a Fraser. That's a typical from the era around uh, Turin. 
When did you add that must? Uh, we added when the when it started the fermentation of the wort of the beer, and for us for this kind of beer is very important. The main actor uh, is the yeast for beer, not not wild, not not is uh, for wine, uh, because um, uh, we want to have a, a, a sweetness at the end. And uh, is, this is a particular um, process uh, inspired to to um, sweet wine, okay. And uh, but in this case, uh, the, the the sweet is balanced to the sour of the uh, of the the grapes. And it's it's, it's very very um, different to to, to birbera because birbera is dry and this is a little sweet. That's very fun. Yeah. The last beer is with plums. Yeah. And yes. the plums, do we do the same way as the last, last spring beer? Uh, plums are uh, particular well, plums. What's the name of the beer? Uh, beer Brugna. Okay. Beer Brugna. Brugna in dialect means plums. And we usually uh, joke with the names of the beers using English, Italian, and our dialects. <laughs> and the inspiration is uh, to Belgian Creek. But instead of using cherish, we, we use ramassin. Ramassin is a particular small, sweet, and wild plums that you can find only in the area around Turin. And for the fermentation, husband? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's not a spontaneous fermentation, but we use the main actor of the spontaneous fermentation, uh, Brettanomyces, Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, and uh, Saccharomyces, of course. And um, they started the fermentation and, um, mat- and maturation for 12 months in uh, Barrique. Um, during this time, uh, for me, the name is, is uh, Bière du Lambic, uh, is, but it's the only name for, uh, for the brewer. Uh, for, yes, for the brewer. And uh, after 12 months, we add in, uh, at the harvest time, we add in the plums, some very special plums, uh, Ramassin. Um, for um, for one uh, one month, and uh, this is, this is a, uh, the our um, sour fruit aged ale. And those are you add them in the barrel. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. So how long does that beer take? Uh, so it takes twelve months. Twelve and months and one month of, with, plum. uh, with with plums. Okay. And then you you bottle that and bottle condition for. Yes, it's bottle condition and, and also kegging. And, uh, and um, maybe this year, I hope uh, we can have uh, for the U.S. market uh, also in draft. Ah, <laughs> lovely. Well, thank you very much. Your beers are absolutely delicious. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Very so enjoyable. Thank, thank you. They are absolutely delicious. These are great beers. I'm going to introduce right now, uh, we have a guest in the studio, and I want to be able to talk. We can all comment on this, but uh, I have a friend that, that we just met at, at 508 Gaster Brewery, uh, Sean McGinty, who's in town from Florida. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming. These were awesome beers, and what they're doing, one, one thing I really like is how they're really showcasing these grapes. When people think about Italy, you think about grapes, and, and, uh, and they're doing it in a very creative, blending way. Where they and really, they're using local products. Absolutely. So, very and cool. One reason why we have Sean McGinty with us today is because he make, does a lot of things with local products, such as his uh, Florida Citrus Berliner Weiss. Tell yeah. us about that beer, man. So, uh couple of years ago this Florida vice couple of years ago this Florida vice trend started um, in the Tampa area and you know it's uh, 
started with a guy, uh, Doug, out at Peg's Brewing. He was an assistant brewer at Cigar City, and he likes to make funky beer. Justin Strang, uh, also at Seventh Sun, makes a ton of Berliner Weisses. And what they're doing is they're grabbing the you know, Caribbean fruits and the Florida fruits, and they're you know, infusing the beers with these flavors. So you, you get the tartness of a Berliner and then maybe some grapefruit or some lemon or some orange. How are you got? How did you do it? I mean, it, so, did you do an infusion and then and then blend after the brewing device? And I, I made a syrup. So mm-hmm. uh, I happened to uh, to have family in Leesburg, Florida, which is a huge citrus part of Florida, and we've got wild orange trees all over the county, all over the city. So uh, my my daughter was up there for spring break, and her and my mom went and picked sour oranges for me. They got a, two trash bags full, nice. and. Uh, when I went to pick her up, I brought him home with me. Uh, I zested a half dozen. I juiced a dozen. And uh, I reduced it on the stove until it became a syrup. Nice. And I added it to the keg and uh, got it to where I thought it was a, wasn't was overpowering, but it definitely lent some sourness because they're native sour stock Florida oranges. I mean, Florida oranges aren't actually sweet. They're a hybrid that was crossbred with California oranges. So... Uh, so they're sour oranges, reduced them down, added them to the keg. So you get the sourness from the Berliner, and then you get this sweet kind of citrus sourness from the syrup. And uh, I'll bottle some up and mail some to you. So I think you should do that. I think we would really like that at the show. So let me ask you this. When yeah. you, because um, it's something we, that's come up before. So how did you determine how much syrup to add? Because I think everybody has a little different technique. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it really depends on the beer I'm doing. Like, I didn't think that I could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do the entire garbage bag, <laughs> but some of them had already started to rot, and I couldn't use any of those. So I I ended up with about half of what I had. I had about two dozen oranges after I threw away everything that had gone bad. And it, my business partners, those of us that are, are starting a brewery together. That's right. You're starting a brewery uh, called... Uh, that's suntan. It is suntan. No, sunburn. 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 Sorry, sunburn. Sunburn. Give me yeah. a hint right there. You are hours, from Florida. Thirty yeah. hours in the car <laughs> get you uh, this awesome elbow sunburn. So uh, yeah, no. So I, I was going back and forth with them because I'm like, I'm just going to do all 24 oranges, and they're like, No, dude, don't do that. You're not going to be able to drink it. So you know, I, I cooked the syrup until the syrup got to a flavor that I wanted, and then I just added all of it to the beer and uh, cross my fingers and hope it turned out good. With some of the other spices that I work with, I'll make, you know, I'll make a tea out of them and see where it gets me because you know, putting fresh curry leaves into a beer, uh, you can end up with something that's more of a marinade than yeah. something that you want to drink. So you know, when I'm working with, with fruit, I, I look at it this way. Um, I know I'm not going to make a blueberry you know, sea paw, sea dog ale. You know, it's not going to be overpowering and, and sweet and sticky because you know, I'm not going to put 24 pounds of stuff into my, my kettle. Right. right. You know, so uh, it, a lot of it's trial by error with fruit and then everything else is measured. We're going to talk more to you with you yes. about uh, about your processes uh, to these regards in just yep. a moment. We're going to take Hear a quick break. Hear about those curry leaves. Yeah, man. <laughs> so we'll be back. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. 
Welcome back to Ferment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're here with our friend Sean McGinty from Tampa, Florida, who has a brewery called Sunburn Brewing Company. A brewery in it's planning. A brewery in planning. <laughs> right now you're brewing uh, 10 gallons at a time, correct? 10 gallons at a time. I built a, uh, a Brutus 10 oh, sweet. system. So you have an outdoor room to do that. I'm in Florida. Where in New York? Yeah, <laughs> I, I got a driveway and a garage. <laughs> that's crazy. What are those? A quarter acre. Does not and, compute. Yeah. That's that's awesome. How long have you been brewing? Uh, on and off for 12 years. That's fantastic. When did you start being all crazy and using tamarind and, and, uh, and orange? Why? And, and why? Right yeah, why? Right off the bat. Right off the bat. That's great. My, uh, my wife and I went on a cruise. We stopped in Grand Cayman. Uh, my, my mother's family is all from Cuba. And there was a guava rum in Grand Cayman. I wanted to buy a bottle of it. And they wouldn't let me do it since I'm a U.S. citizen. So when we got back, my wife got me a Mr. Beer kit and said, well, you can make guava beer because you can't distill stuff in our tub. <laughs> <laughs> so did you make a guava beer at the, just at the start? I did. I started making a guava wheat um, 10 years ago. And that recipe slowly evolved. It's now actually my tamarind wheat. And uh, the guava has found a better home in a pale ale. Nice. So we, I, I mean, you're on the show because we were talking about, uh, you know, all this stuff that you're doing down there. And I was like, oh, man, you got to meet Mary. It's crazy. Like, and so, so you guys have just met now, but Mary's gotten me into a lot of these things. And also, like, we had a Tamarind con- conversation because the people yes. that own 508 have a, a place down the British Virgin Isles. And they're like, you know, we can get you a lot of Tamarind our next visit. And, and so how do you use the do Tamarind? So, and what do you find is most successful with that? There, it's a really crazy flavor that I love. It's a really crazy flavor. Uh, my yeah. buddies from Jamaica call it poor man's sour candy. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I use it in two different forms. When I can get it fresh, I, I, it's fresh. I drop it in 10 minutes before my, my boil's done, and then I transfer all of it to primary because the heat's broken it down enough to where you know, it's going to start fermenting really well. So you leave all the ve- basically the vegetable matter in there? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, I, I strip the shell off of it. I toss it in giant mesh bag, and then uh, as I'm going through my uh, my chiller, I'm dropping it into the uh, primary fermentation. Fascinating. Yeah. That works when I've got fresh tamarind. Not easy to find unless right. you're all the way out in Miami. So um, I found uh, Goya makes a frozen tamarind pulp. Yep. And there's no additives. There's no preservatives. It's just frozen pulp. So I'll go and, and pick up a case of that stuff and uh, I'll add it uh, all in secondary when I'm working with a frozen puree um, because I don't need to worry about sanitation right so I don't need to boil it so then you're getting like the you're getting like total I mean you're um, I mean total freshness within secondary yeah so when you are you thawing it first I assume or yeah yeah, you know I'll uh, do you need to thaw it I mean it's already up there it's gonna slowly thaw no but uh, you know I'm using better bottles so (laughs) Where you got to get it through that through get, that lid. Got to get it. Got to get it through the neck there. Yeah. If uh, if I was using buckets, I'd just toss in the uh, frozen sheet of yeah. tamarind and let it thaw. And uh, you know, I leave a little bit of yeast, and uh, when I when I go to secondary in those beers to let it grab onto a little bit of the uh, the the fruit sugars and ferment that out. But I don't want it all to ferment out because mm-hmm. I mean the flavor. And how long away. do you are you leaving it in secondary, or would you recommend people do that if they're using? Tamarind or something like it. Tamarind, guava, yeah, any of your Caribbean fruits. Papaya. I make a papaya cider for my wife. Quinabana. Um, and your wife is is gluten free. Gluten free. She's like, yep. she's got celiac. So uh, yeah. Um, but I, I leave it in at least a week, sometimes more. 
Yeah, it depends on the style. And then do you taste? I mean, like when you first started developing these recipes, did you taste kind yeah. of as you went along and determine? Yeah, I've got a wine thief, and, and I go in there and, and I pull tastes. That's uh, I'm looking forward to going home and pulling tastes from my uh, red wine fermented uh, double. That's exciting. So red wine, you used red wine yeast. Yes. You said right, okay. um, lavender. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. So powdered red wine yeast. Mm-hmm. The dry red wine yeast. Yep. I really, I'm really inspired by uh, uh, Valter's, you know, red wine beers. Yeah. Or that we were red or grape beers that we were talking about. So you said you took half. So you made this a traditional kind of Belgian double style beer, yeah. and you took half of it and put it on the red wine yeast. Correct, because you can't use wine yeast and beer yeast in the same fermenter. Right. Wine yeast eats well, Trump, beer yeast. Yeah. It devours it, destroys it. And... So how does that beer using wine yeast? How what what's different i mean what do you observe and kind of well uh, the know, time it takes that kind of thing times times actually shorter the, the wine yeast i mean as within an hour it was just <laughs> crowsing like crazy and in three days it was done just that's, that's awesome yep. fell out of suspension dropped to the bottom and my trappist yeast was still going on the other half of the batch and uh i'm like okay well wait for that to finish <laughs> and then cold crash everything. And so then you're going to blend those. I'm going to blend them. Awesome. So uh, it's, it's for a competition. Uh, Three Palms Brewery out in Tampa is doing a double competition because that was the beer they went live with. Awesome. Uh, but they haven't made it since. So, uh, so it's their throwback competition? Yeah. So everybody's making this beer? Are they yeah. are they all doing this process where they're blending? Kind of no. Thing? No. no okay. he, he asked for the most <laughs> traditional... BJCP double that you could come out with, and uh, I told him I couldn't do it. So. <laughs> I, I, it's hard for me to brew to style, so uh, you know we'll, we'll see where I place in it. Yeah. If not, I, I know I'm going to sit down and make a beer with them, you know, anyways. But uh, it'd be nice to win. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'll be I'll, interested to I'll, hear how it comes out. I will bottle that along with some of the Florida devices. Yeah, please do. Please do. So tell us, so you were talking about when we, earlier we were talking about you have an Indian pale ale, Indian with an N at the end, yes. that you do with the curry leaves. Yep. So tell us about that beer. Um, I'm a huge British beer fan. So what I like to do is take traditional British styles and you know put a twist on them. I did a year at culinary college and... Uh, Worked for two different five-star chefs, so I, I approached things a little differently. And what I did with this beer, it was a 10-gallon batch, never made it before in my life, and uh, fresh green curry leaves, fresh green cardamom pods, fresh turmeric. And uh, outside of that, it is a by-the-book British pale ale, yeah. uh, IPA, whatever you like to call it, Maris Otter, EKG. And uh, I added all of that to the boil uh, right about the 10-15-minute uh, mark. Okay. Ten to fifteen minutes before end of boil. Before end Did you boil. add any yeah. any more after that? No, for any aroma. So just all, yeah, okay. And yeah. was that total guessing on your how much quantities when you first did it? I make a lot of Indian food, so uh, I I wasn't totally guessing. Yeah. Um, I also did a a chai milk stout, and I made the chai spice. Ground up all twenty nine spices. <laughs> nice. And, because, uh, as one does. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I looked at that, and I was like, I'm making a ten gallon batch, and well, just toss it in. And I brought that. I actually brought the uh, the Indian pale ale with me as well. Cool. So we're going to be tasting that shortly. Um, but not on there. We're actually now going let me to ask, Brooklyn Bruisers. That's true. So we're going to – Chris is going to be speaking at the Brooklyn Bruisers meeting, which meets the first Monday of every month at Browery Lane Browery in Lane. Greenpoint. Oh, that's right. Fantastic 
local homebrew club. Yep. If you live in Greenpoint or, or Williamsburg, you or Long check Island it out. City, or that's the place City. to go. Yep. So we'll be there, and so we're going to open some of those there. Sure. Maybe a little bit here. Um, so, what do you recommend for beginners? I mean, so you're coming from a, a culinary background, yeah. so you have a, a better idea. If you cook a lot, you know, you have a better idea of the spices. Yeah. But what do you recommend for beginners? Do you have any tips? Local. Find something fresh. Find something local. Find something you really enjoy, and then write out a recipe and then throw it away, and then do it again, and then ask yourself, <laughs> if I had a beer that was stylistically sound without this ingredient, would, what would this add? Right. Um, and that's kind of how I approach it. You know, if this beer was stylistically sound, how would this enhance it? What, you know, what flavor of I'm, am I looking to get out of it? And if you're not sure, I always go with make a tea. Yeah. You know, whether it's trying new wood to age beers on, whether it's new fruit, new spices, new anything, make a tea, see what flavors you're going to get from it when it's been heated. Right. This, now, do you ever do cold, like cold brute cold teas? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For know, more delicate ingredients? Especially with things I'm going to add into secondary fermentation because there's not that element of heat to mm-hmm. break down and release oils. So anything that's going to the secondary, yeah, I'll do a cold brewed tea. I'll just. I do a New Orleans stout every year for my dad. Roasted chicory, French press coffee, and I do cold press coffee with it. And every time I change the beans that I'm using, I'll do a cold press pot, leave it in the fridge for 24 hours, and see what it tastes like. I have a question since you're culinary trained. I had a failed experiment happen the other day. I wanted to add mustard seeds to my blonde okay. and as part of my uh, hair dye series so one one belgian blonde i threw some um hibiscus into one 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 i threw black currant and that the sweetness really kind of really balanced everything else out the other one i wanted to like spice up with mustard and try, yep. tried to make a tea with mustard and it just ended up vegetable just like it was horrible and so i didn't throw it i didn't end up doing that one but how would you get how, how would you recommend getting mustard spice in a tea. So the same process I use when I'm adding black peppers or anything that's a hard seed, I I throw them in the pan and uh, with some olive oil, I cook them until they start to smoke. As soon as they start to smoke, I'll throw them in the kettle. Okay. Um, Because once they hit that smoking level, they're releasing all of their oils. So peppercorns, even, uh, I mean, you can do it with... uh, Drawing a blank. Crazy any kind paradise. of seed like that, right? Yeah, I mean, any kind of seed. Grains of paradise. Of, yeah. yeah Probably like, like cumin. Cumin cor- seeds. Like coriander. Coriander. Yep, yeah. That's coriander was what I was reaching for. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you do that for your wits then with coriander? Yeah, actually. Oh, nice. uh, when I make a wit, I will uh, I'll throw my coriander seeds in there and I bring them up to smoking and then I toss them in. You do that with oil or just straight up on the pan? Depends on what I'm doing. With coriander, no oil. I. I I don't want to add any more oil than the right, seeds that's are. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. So it's probably something to play with. The other thing, I mean, alcohol. We're, we don't have time to talk about alcohol extractions, but I would suspect that some of these things could also be done as an alcohol extraction. Yeah, tincture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially if you wanted to add them at bottling or kegging or in secondary or what? Yeah. Well, bottling or kegging particularly, and you didn't want to deal with oil or anything. Yep. 
Well, dude, thank you so much for being here. I find you truly yes. inspiring, dude. Seriously. Absolutely. Hey, thanks yeah. for having me. And, yeah. Uh, anytime. If you're in town on Monday, you want to join us, even no matter if we have other guests, pop on in. Yeah. That, I'll, I'll remember that. Yeah, please do. Yeah, just, so, just show up. Where? And hopefully you guys out there listening have found this inspirational using, you know, creative brewing styles, creative ingredients. Really look at what is grown around local. Go to your green market or your, your um, local kind of international um, groceries. We have a great grocery near us that we can Food get bizarre. all kinds of stuff yep including frozen tamarind paste and guanabana and soursop and everything else so look for unusual ingredients and you'll try it out you might find something that you really like and uh, stay tuned for for sunburn brewing company yep so we also <coughs> want to um encourage you if you are enjoying this show and other shows on heritage radio network this is a not-for-profit station. Please support um, Heritage Radio Network. Basic membership starts at 60 bucks, 25 if you're a student. For homebrewers out there, you get a 5% discount at Brooklyn Homebrew and Bitter Nesters, as well as a dollar off drafts at Jimmy's number 43. They also have a very special event coming up on Sunday, May 19th. 19th. At Roberta's, where we're where we always uh, are live from, it's called Hawaiian Underground. It's got food from everybody from Delaney Barbecue to Heritage Foods to Court Street Groceries to Gramercy Tavern, Brooklyn Grain. I mean, amazing food. Beer from Empire Brewing Company. There's going to be a DJ, a pig roast, a campfire, everything. Um, tickets range from ninety five dollars to one hundred fifty bucks for VIP, but included, which you know, it might be you might think that's steep, but it includes a sixty uh, your membership, which is sixty bucks. So if, if you buy a nine $95 general admission ticket, you're getting $60 membership for the year and, you know, a tons of great food, um, beer, and you're, you also know that you're supporting a great cause. So thank you guys for supporting us and tune in next week. For episode 25. Yeah, we're going to talk about table beers with some of our favorite home brewers that are doing very low alcohol beers under ah, 3.5%, some of them. With very big flavors. Yep. So thank you guys for listening. We're on HeritageRadioNetwork.org and archived on our iTunes. And we will be talking to you next week, 7 p.m. Monday night. For Man About It. For Man About It. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>